Okay, with director Melissa Tittle, Black Knight Satellite Beyond the Signal is the feature film played at the Fantasy Sci-Fi Film Festival, but it's a documentary, correct? So it's a sci-fi documentary. Is that how I would categorize it? Yes, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, sci-fi is just based on uh, actual real events that have happened. You know, you look at any great sci-fi movie, there's a piece of truth in there. There was either a story or a case or or somebody that came across something and then they turned it into this huge sci-fi movie. So this is a documentary about something that could be potentially a huge sci-fi scripted movie, but this is the real story behind it. So it's about uh, Billy Carson as uh, he's trying to uncover the truth of an unknown signal. I guess that's the teaser uh, synopsis. Correct. So um, if anybody knows, or if you're not familiar with, there's a famous UFO. It's not, I guess it's not a UFO. It's a satellite. Uh, Black Knight's satellite has been a story that's been going around the community of people that are interested in this stuff for many years. It dates all the way back to the 50s. Um, and there's been a lot of people covering it in the past. However, they have not put it all together as much as Billy Carson has, um, because he, as a young man, was looking for an answer for why he kept getting these downloads of this strange information in his head. And when he came across the Black Knight satellite and he realized all these other people throughout history had had some kind of interaction with something that wasn't necessarily human, okay. not necessarily alien, but they were getting messages. He he was able to unravel this huge story of Black Knight satellite, which is fascinating. So this is, if you like go on your IMDb page and you see your list of credits, like this is something that this is your kind of like, I wouldn't say life, or this is your kind of body of work is, is aliens, undercovering truths, et cetera, correct? Correct. Um, I would say anything unknown kind of falls under my category of, of filmmaking. Uh, for instance, um, at you know one point in time, I was head of content of Gaia. So I've done all things aliens, meditation, uh, human potential, um, alternative science type stuff. I've covered all of that that category, uh, especially in the last couple of years with everything heating up with the Pentagon coming out in 2020 that uh, that they had that there might be something alien out there. Of course, they've retracted that in the last couple of weeks, but um, it's really heated up. So uh, I've kind of been. I've kind of been involved in the space since the beginning of uh, I was in the I wrote and produced the first couple seasons of Ancient Aliens. So I've been kind of involved in this alien space for quite some time. I know all the players. And so when I come across an original story of something that I always found fascinating and kind of a new take on it, I thought, OK, this is cool because I think the Black Knight satellite is just unique because it's not a UFO hovering in your backyard which is yeah. a whole nother ball of wax. This is a satellite that they cannot identify that's been orbiting the planet and like coming here from where we don't know and why. That would be the most sense. That would make the most sense to me. I know like in terms of like alien or extraterrestrial life form is that they wouldn't come here. They would, they would bring something to discover just like we do to other planets, I guess too, right? Right, right. We poke and prod, we take some dirt samples. We see if there's any life forms and we try to observe what they're doing. I mean, it could be something. Here's the thing. If it's some, if it's the same thing returning, then they already know us. So why are they coming back? And if they're not making contact, I mean, just for the sake of this story, we this, there's tons of rabbit holes we can go on on this one. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. If they're just coming to observe us, why? And and so the Black Knight Sally gets into that. There's been 
all these sightings and signals and different people's versions uh, before there was the internet where everyone is connected and talking about things and could make things into a reality. This is before any of that. I mean, this is before we even had satellites up in, in space from any country. So this is a unique take on if there is something visiting us, um, you know, this is a different, this is asking that question, why? And if they keep coming and they're not making contact, what, what, what's their plan? So before we, I, before I tackle the making of, of this film, because I'm fascinated by it, tell me about your, or your origin story. Like when did you, how old were you when you first just like thought, like when you, you first started getting really interested in this subject? <laughs> Man, I love this question. <laughs> um, I, I wish I had some like great story. I wish I had the story where aliens were in my backyard and and they told me this was my life mission or something, but I don't. So I'm I'm gonna disappoint the whole audience. But I will say that um I grew up in a household where my dad was in the military. Um, my mom was running a bunch of nonprofits. So I have two th different thoughts, two different forms of belief systems in my house. And one of the things that was always safe was the dinner table and we talked about aliens and we talked about weird stuff and we talked about religion all sorts of religion and all sorts of thought processes so i think by the time i was like even 10 i i was super into comic books and aliens and weird stuff i i just was always a tomboy and then i grew up in a place where it was okay to talk about it so there wasn't like an aha moment for me i just thought all of this sci-fi world was somehow more interesting than what was going on in just normal life because yeah. sci-fi world allowed you to think outside of the box that everybody was living in. And so I, I don't know, just from a kid, I was like, this is way more interesting than everybody else's stodgy adult life. <laughs> and then when did you like, did you like, did you, like in terms of education, did you kind of like focus on this subject? Like when did you, cause this is kind of, like I said, this is kind of your life's work in, in many regard, I guess. Right. Right, right, right. Um, well, I went to school for TV and film uh, in the University of Wisconsin uh, because I'm from Wisconsin. And then I moved out to L.A. and I immediately got a job working um, as an executive assistant to the president of Paramount Studios in my early 20s. Uh, we worked on um, Mission Impossible. We worked on uh, um, like a whole bunch of movies that that were like sci-fi and stuff like that so like you know it, it, was, it was super cool I mean there's not like a moment where it happened I just gravitated towards that and then I just never left meaning I went to like uh produce uh the universe which was on the history channel and that, that was the first attempt to try to speak to just mainstream people about quantum physics yeah and um there was it was pretty successful and then from there working with NASA I went to uh ancient aliens and then I just never left like I just took off on that alien ship and I just never got off of it. But I mean, I love it. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> so I'm watching, this is kind of so random, but I'm watching um, an old episode of Frasier, the TV show, and John Glenn was on it. And they're making a joke about like how he, he basically is like, he's seen aliens and all these astronauts, or sorry, all, yeah, all these astronauts are not allowed to say anything because yeah. of conspiracies or whatever like that. And it's sort of like, it's kind of like tub tapping on that joke. So this is, this is when it gets difficult where like you're, you're obviously know what you're talking about where it's like when, I guess the, the grand question I'm having is that, do you think there's conspiracies? Do you think that there, there's something that they're NASA is not telling you? So you work for NASA. Do you think there's something that they're not telling us for our protection or I don't know what? Um, 
Well, I mean, I'll break this up in factions. So there's always a tiny group of the government who knows everything. There's always, there's a tiny group at the White House, maybe like one or two people that know everything that's going on. There's a there's a tiny group of people at NASA. Is everybody at NASA keeping a secret? No. Is everybody in the military keeping a secret? No. <laughs> Are there yeah. factions of people keeping secrets? Yes. And there's a couple of reasons why anybody would keep a secret. One, um, do they want to keep us from having mass hysteria? I mean, they've done tests on that since, you know, early uh, 40s and stuff uh, with trying to test like alien invasions on people yeah. with war of the world worlds. I mean, this was a test. People like freaked out. They're like, oh, my God, it's happening. You know, but now um, nobody would nobody would believe it. <laughs> it would be fake. Right. News, well, now. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, now they've they've come up with they've attached the idea of believing in aliens to a political party. Yeah. So uh, that then now that becomes like a meaning if you're a certain kind of person, if you believe in aliens. And, and so. That's I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, but that's yeah. why the discussion of life outside of humanity uh, needs to have a place without bias and, and without control by certain fractions of people's thought process. So using discernment when talking about extraterrestrial life, I think is really important because everybody who's in a higher position right now is talking about extraterrestrial life. You have studies at Harvard. Uh, that are going on with Avi Loeb, who yeah. um, is a Harvard astronomer. He wrote a book. He said, look, I saw something, a satellite in space orbiting um, planets. You've got fractions of the government that are are setting up research. You have billionaires investing a lot of money looking for life. So if, or, that, if or, you're or not having that conversation, if you're not having that conversation as a personal person, just with yourself, then by the way, there's a lot of other people looking for that. And um, it, and and what you hear in the news and stuff is, I think, just a way to control the population and their attention. I guess what you're saying, in a sense, is, and it makes sense. Where, like, I'm kind of paraphrasing what you're saying is that is that there's kind of like this stigmatization of like or a stench of like these conspiracy theorists, and and then mm -hmm. you just it's like a black and white situation. It's like either they're in that right. category or they're you're not in that category where you're not like you know what I mean. And it's like there's something in between, right? Like it's like Right. You know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, they're they, like, you know what I mean? There's this grand experience, uh, um, like there's grand conspiracies, like the 9-11 attacks, whatever. Right. So, but, so, but you, you know what I mean? Or like there's aliens living among us kind of a thing. Right. right? So, so, but then there's <laughs> like, but then there's like kind of like little bits of like, like you're talking about alluding in this film where like, there's some information that perhaps we don't know all, all of it, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I that think like there's, yeah, no matter how crazy a story is, there's always a grain of truth. Now, what that is, that goes into your belief systems and that goes into, well, how much evidence is there of that path of thinking? But just remember, there's always a grain of truth, no matter how crazy a government conspiracy is or anything, but that doesn't mean everything is the truth. And I think for me, looking into the idea of extraterrestrial life, makes us analyze ourselves as humans because what does it mean to be human i mean no one's defined that otherwise we would have figured all of our crap out on this yeah. planet and i think the conversation of well what's not then defines us more and i guess that's what interests me i mean maybe that's not as sexy as doing just sci-fi but on like a on a mission level uh, that's what interests me no 100 percent. it's like it's like what you're doing is, is very curious and i think that if you if you pull the grand population, most people would believe that there's extraterrestrial life, I guess, right? There's a, but it, the question you're asking is that has it come to us yet, I guess, right? 
Right. 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 Has it, well, if, has it come to us and has it come to us in not the way that we think it has? I mean, I, I have, um, I've hosted and I've been involved in producing lots of shows, especially recently for Discovery Channel. And um, there's this whole fear base. And we talk to people that have physically been in contact with like a experience with some other tri- extraterrestrial being or a UFO or any of that kind of stuff. But but for this documentary specifically, we're saying, well, what if what if they're not necessarily landing here? What if they're sending signals into our minds of what it is they want us to do here on Earth? which goes beyond the concept of the government controlling you. What if there's something out there that is controlling what the populace is thinking? And what's their motive for that? What would be their motive? Yeah. What would be their motive? So we have a, we have a couple of uh, ideas of what that could be based on ancient text, because I don't think in modern days, we really have an idea what that would be except for our own concept of what happens today in humanity. So um, we have a couple ideas about that. and, And a couple of experts come in and say, look, there's there's all these ancient texts that talk about beings from other planets coming here to seed the planet. That's one. That's that's a alien conspiracy, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that somebody came in and tweaked the missing link, um, and they're coming in to check on their kind of their creation. And the other one is um, there's an alien faction that's been involved in our. It, kind of living side by side with us this is another person's opinion yeah um, and then that um that they have left the planet and now but they're still communicating with us because they don't want us to forget what we are what we are capable of doing basically like they don't want us to forget where we came from so the black knight satellite is either an active recon mission by whoever or whatever or it's literally some kind of satellite on autopilot sending signals to earth constantly to make people not forget where they came from those are some of the opinions in this film yeah 100 percent. and so okay so let's talk about the making of, of your film because obviously you have experience as a producer you have experience as a director you know what you're doing but the question is is about i guess like there's so much to tackle in this film it's like, how do you, like, like as a, as a documentarian, do you write the script out first and then you start getting interviews and you start getting like, what is your process of kind of making a film like this from a, from a producing <laughs> standpoint? Um, I always come up with an outline. Like what are the bullet points I want to hit? You, I mean, in a documentary, you can't really control what people say. You can do research and you can figure out like what they're but you can push your agenda i guess right yeah you could say okay well i want from this person xyz because that's kind of what they focus on yeah but you're either going to be surprised or disappointed sometimes in your interviews so you just have to be prepared like what are the bullet points you're going to hit regardless of the people being interviewed that you have so far because that means you might have to find someone else yeah um and then from there um i kind of let the interviews speak for themselves i think that in docu making documentaries, you are, you're writing in different factions of thought. One is you're just bringing it from the ethers and you're like, well, this would be my, my dream wish of all the things I would get. Right. And then you go and do the interviews and you have like millions of pages of transcript you have to go through. And then from there, you are, you are creating almost a new idea from what you thought you got. And and sometimes that's better. And sometimes it's not as good as you thought it was going to be, but 
but it, but it's several versions of writing you're in because one is you're bringing it out of the ethers and one is the reality of, of where everybody is. And then piecing that together in not only a entertaining way, but in a way that's one believable and two can, can be understood by the masses because yeah. a lot of the stuff is really complicated. And, and some of the things we bring up or like connecting the math to the star system and all this kind of stuff. Like, I mean, it, that is hard to do. And I've tried to do it in, in a way that was the easiest to explain. You have to entertain the audience and yeah. in the interest you, you, it's an interesting cinematic or directorial or whatever you want to call it design, because really the film is about is basically is, is, uh, is your guy, Billy sitting on his computer in his office, having conversations with people on, on, on the computer. I've never seen it like that before, it, but you, but you made it cinematic by kind of using like splices of like uh, B-roll footage and stuff like that. So what, what was, is that, how did you come on, come up, kind of come up with that, that kind of way? Was it COVID? Like, I'm just curious about like what? No. Um, oh yeah. You did this before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, no, I didn't do this before COVID. This is after COVID. Um, so, but the, so Billy had gone and done some interviews on like a lower grade camera and bad audio. Okay. And he said, I have these interviews. I really want to do a movie. And I looked at them and I said, I don't really know what this is about because the interviews were kind of like all over the place and, and they were, they didn't look good. So how I wanted to use pieces of them because there was nuggets that I could fit into the outline that I created, but the audience wouldn't forgive me if that was just full screen. And we thought that was a real interview. Yeah. So <laughs> it was more like, let's set Billy up in an office where he's having an interview with them live yeah. when he had an interview with them two years ago. And I rewrote the question oh, gotcha. to, ask, to ask them. So that made sense in the film. No, it's really interesting. It's like, that's, that's a, that's like, I, I've never seen that before kind of in a documentary before where like usually the camera up, like the, the director kind of runs the show where he, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're the documentary and you're, you're asking the interviews, but you kind of like, you got you make Billy the main character. He's the interviewee, right? He's the one who's asking the questions. Right. And he's sitting at his right. he's sitting in his desk, kind of like talking to people from afar. He's not going to them, which is like it's the 21st century way, right? It's the it's we're doing it right now. It's the it's the it's the Zoom. Right. Way. <laughs> right. But A you, lot you, of people in this space don't travel. Yeah, you made it interesting. You made it like cinematic, I guess. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, that was my point. I mean, like, how much can you watch a guy sitting at his desk? Um, but it's it's here's the thing. Everybody has a certain way of how they want to hear stories and how they want to see them. So how do you create that that's intense and and means that this interview had a point and it's still interesting to watch and you just forget that he's in his office and they're on a computer screen? 100 percent. But then you keep going back, but at the same time, then you go back to it. It's like, oh, this is what's going on. But then, okay, so then that's the one That's the one <laughs> thing. So how many people did he interview or you interview in, in total? Um, so we interviewed, oh, God. I mean, there's people that didn't even make the cut. There's so many people. Sure. I don't like to put that many people in, but sometimes it just happens because there's just nuggets of information. I mean, I think there was like eight or nine people. Yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of people. people. Yeah. So what I did was I went in and I, you know, I created the outline. And then um, because of that, I wanted certain beats from certain people. And I also wanted Billy 
to ask the questions that led to the answer I wanted. So I wrote the questions for him um, and then and then created like from there, like what kind of tension we were building with the, I mean, obviously they're answering out of their own research. There's yeah. nothing I can do about that, but um, creating the tension that we needed to, to keep the story going, which is, all right, now here's the next point. So then, yeah, then you kind of have like, kind of like a little montages in between each kind of like section. If you, if you would break this down from a practical standpoint, you kind of make a point, have a little montage summary, and then you kind of like move to your next point. So the question I have for you is like, where did you grab, how did you find all this? Like you had some document that you, uh, maybe you recreate some of it, some documentations, and then you have the B-roll footage of like, of like, like Mars and maybe like Mars and or like the earth and like all these kind of like interesting kind of um images like where like how did you find all this stuff that you like I'm just curious about your process um so I think documentation when you have a, a documentary especially about something that is talking about aliens it really needs to be real and clear and so that always takes a lot of time because getting people to uh, release documents, finding certain documents in the government, looking for certain things that people say exist, but then they don't, they don't bring it to the table. It takes a long time. So I have a really great team that um, we just keep scouring until we find the actual data. Um, for the, the other stuff, um, we didn't shoot all of that. I mean, obviously we're not in space shooting stuff, but we do use... NASA is a is a public domain source, so you can use any of their stuff, but also uh, footage houses. Um, I always think that there's two things you need to do when you're telling a, a story, especially documentary, is that you, you almost need to show the images verbatim because the concepts are so big, uh, but then also give them an abstract understanding of what it could be, right? We're dealing with something that's not necessarily real. So depending yeah. on what part of the documentary you're talking about, if Billy has discovered something and we can't quite see it because it doesn't really exist, we yeah. have to create what we know on earth. We have to show that on camera. We have to show, okay, so what if it is a satellite? Okay, so we show a satellite and then we propagate from there that this is what it's doing, which is more of an abstract image. But we create the similarity with the human person watching it that if, if we were gonna go this way, this is probably what it is, and this is what it could be. So you, yeah, the audience has to understand what you're what you're showing them, like because you have like see like uh, like like eighteen minutes into the film, you have like all these satellite images, and then you're showing Earth, but you're showing the United States of America, some really nice nice footage. So you basically you have to like have context of the, that the audience understands. It can't be an alien satellite that nobody's ever seen before. Because no, because it won't make, it'll be like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I don't want us to, I don't want to watch this anymore yeah. because it's not, it's not real yet. So, um, you know, even like at one point somebody says, uh, they were talking about Philip K. Dick, who's written uh, these sure. great sci-fi novels. Right. And, and that like he, he wrote, when he wrote Valis, he wrote it about the U S um, that the aliens were communicating with the, somebody in the U S government. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, that's such a crazy statement from a guy who wrote a book that like no one's really reading right now. Yeah. So we've got to create like, okay, but if that happened, what would it be? And then we go to the Pentagon, which is the same shop that is used in the New York Times article talking about uh, when they broke that story saying they have 144 cases of, you know, possible UFO interactions or UAPs, right? Which gives a similarity that this isn't a new story. 
this isn't something that I just came up with or this guy came up with or this 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 writer came up with. It's something that's happening right now. Yeah. And I think like in the subconscious of people, they don't ha- it's nothing that they need to believe. They just it just feels similar. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you're giving them a, a emotional context. So then you have uh, who's the radio host? Jimmy. Um, yeah, Jimmy Church. Jimmy Church, is that his real name? <laughs> Seems kind of. No, like- I don't know. I haven't asked him. I mean, we call him and say, "Hey, is that your is that your real name?" Is that your it's, it's, it's totally fine. So basically, then so he's almost like interviewing your guy. Like he's almost interviewing. He's the interview. He's interviewing Billy. Like like twenty minutes into the film, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if you're if you're like a big radio host like Jimmy, like somebody interviewing you is just too weird. And so he just kind of like switched it and went into like, look, I got all this stuff now. <laughs> it's, the, it's a control issue, I guess. Right. Yeah, I think it's a control issue. But, you know, it played well because he did come with that NSA document, which he didn't know all the other evidence. You know what I love about document making document uh, documentaries is that you don't tell everybody what you're doing. You, you, you give them the premise of the film and as a a filmmaker, you know, you don't sell them an idea. That's not the idea. And then they look like an idiot. And that's like the worst thing you could do for your career and your reputation, but you don't necessarily tell them all the data of all the other people because you want them to come in their peer understanding of what they know. And what happens sometimes to my surprise, which is amazing is that the data starts to line up with other people's information that don't even know each other, don't even know each other's work, don't even know about this NSA document. That's being, saying the same thing. You are, though. You're an investigative yeah. journalist. That's what being investigative journalist is, right? Is getting those sources, yeah. and getting two opposite sources matching up into one cohesive kind of idea, right? right? Yeah. I know that's the fun part of my job. I I always think I'm like, wow. Like how, like they don't even know each other. They're not even the same camp and they're talking about the same thing. So it's pretty cool. Play the devil's advocate. Maybe they're just listening to the same person. (laughs) I don't know. Some of these people, they don't. I just finished another film and I know these people don't know each other at all. And they're saying almost the same thing, but in a different vein of existence from their own expertise. Um, And I think that's actually more fascinating uh, because then you know it's not something that the filmmaker did. It's something that's just uh, organically just coming out of these interviews, and and people are coming up with the same conclusions, which is pretty cool. So what? I'm just curious. Maybe, maybe the aliens are putting that in our head. Who knows? Or yeah, maybe the aliens are telling you this is what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> these films, right? All right. Forget about Mission Impossible. You're you're supposed to be making these like these kind of films, right? So yeah. <laughs> so yeah so that, that was my next, that was my segue is like what motivates you what like what what really motivates you to make this film i know it's a lot of money a lot of time it's a lot of effort and uh, i'm sure you can go work on a union shoot as a producer somewhere else i'm just curious like what really drives you to make a film like this um i just think that there's a lot of uh stories out there not just in the alien world but but in this this unknown space that don't get told because they don't fit the mainstream mold. You know, it's not a big Hollywood production or they're not doing this or they don't have this person attached. And, you know, being in that world as well, like uh, it takes a long time to get your idea to the forefront of the people that are going to care about it. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's all like luck and timing. It's not necessarily because somebody is actually better at the job than you. So I think this is an important story because it pushes the idea if something is coming to visit us, if something is trying to reach us for good or bad or whatever the reason is, 
and that becomes true, then what does that say about humanity? And that takes us out of ourselves. It takes us out of all of our crap and our and what's happening in the world. And it lets us analyze our own human existence from a different perspective. And I think that that's what it's important to me about this documentary, about other documentaries in the space that I'm doing, is that it, it's not about being the director on the next uh, big Paramount or, or Sony Pictures movie, which would be great. It's really about it's really about getting those stories that that just need a little bit of light that are pretty cool and, and pretty meaningful. And, and that means more to me than just trying to go for the, the biggest film, uh, the, the most mainstream. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. What did you like? It's such an interesting film. It's like you can tell that you're a good producer, a good director. It's like really well put together film and your subject matter, your subject, Billy, just seems like a pretty trustworthy kind of normal guy you know what i'm trying to say it's like he's that there's nothing like off on him emotionally you know you, you get a good feeling with him i guess that's the best way i could put it yeah 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 no he's a good guy he's a good guy and he um he's dedicated his life to kind of searching for these these things um uh you know again i think he's kind of looking for all right well what's true out there and um I think uh, he's always asking that question and and we need people to do that. You well, know, I think you're asking that question too, right? Yeah. I'm asking that question. I'm like the, the puppet behind the scenes, you know, like the well, <laughs> asking yeah. the questions. <laughs> you do True. public speaking and stuff, things like that. You're kind of in the, in the, in the. Yeah. 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 I am. Right? Yeah, yeah. I am out there asking the questions, but, but yeah, no, he's uh re- he's really passionate about it. Um, and he has been for quite some time. And I think, um, he really just, he just kind of grabbed, I think there's people in this space, there's certain UFO or UAP or whatever that they glam onto, I think not because of what that story is, but because it means something to them. And I think that um, Black Knight Satellite means something to Billy on a deeper level um, than just finding out the truth. I think he really wants to know if something's reaching out to us and what does that mean? So what did you think about uh, our audience uh, with the feedback video, what our audience had to say about your film? Oh my God, I loved it. I loved it. You know, one of the things that um, I thought was great, and and as a filmmaker, the hardest thing is like, look, everyone's going to tell you you suck all the time. Like it's like the one thing you're like prepared for. So it was actually really nice to hear. I mean, well, nice feedback, but feedback that was constructive. Yeah. Like I like the way that you use music in this one transition, and and like. You first of all, you're never going to get that feedback from an audience member, but like these people took the time to analyze it from from the work standpoint, and um, that is so amazing because you don't get that. You usually get it sucks. I didn't get it. I hated it. Like I don't like the host. You know all that kind of stuff. But this was really great constructive feedback and and really precise and meaningful. Like they really took the time to to um dive into um each part of the film so i i just had i guess i just have to say thank you no problem as a filmmaker like thank you (laughs) that you say that because i guess because what the material you're 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 making is polarizing to say the least right so people don't want to don't believe one they don't believe it they're cynics and two they don't want you know what i mean they don't then they're done right so even if they they love your film and they love what you're doing you're great like you you're very cohesive storyteller they don't you've already lost them because they they don't want to hear the subject i guess yep yeah and that's the hard that's the hardest thing 
sometimes it's not because it's a bad film. It's because they just, their belief systems are being challenged. Yeah. And, and that's, um, it's almost like a political film where in a sense where like, I, we just did this film about, um, I just interviewed someone yesterday about Roe versus Wade. They made this feature documentary. And it's like there, it's like my argument to them is that you're kind of like the difficulty with your film is that you're preaching to the choir, meaning that the people who believe yeah. in your, what you're saying are going to watch your film, but it's the, it's the, the other side's not going to watch your film. It's almost the same case with yours where it's like, you want to find those ones who are on the fence to watch a film like yours. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And that's why you, um, yeah, that you know, you brought up a really good point because people in the community um, that are into aliens will not like the film because it's like elementary. Like they want something groundbreaking. They want something weirder than the last documentary, yeah. right? Um, and then you have the people that are on the fence that just need a little bit more evidence. They need you to walk them through. Okay, I didn't know about that 1950 story and I need to know this. And so in this documentary, I did get a lot of slack from the community thinking that it was lame and it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't have enough information for, they wanted something juicy, you know, but I'm, but I'm really going for the people that are on the fence. You know, I, like, if you don't like it because there's too much information and you know, most of it, like, that's not my problem. (laughs) But it's, listen, I, I've I've been doing this for a while. That fanboy population, which is, this is, it's under this category. They are tough. Tough. They They are are a tough tough. crowd. They are negative about everything. They like, you know what I mean? Like, like they're like they're, it's like you have to show that you have to like spoon fed the story at first you have to give them ex- people exposition so there's context if you don't give them exposition in the beginning of your in your first act then then they don't get the, the movie but they want to go they want to go right because they think they're that smart they want to go you to go right to the to the sophistication i guess right yeah, yeah. They're like, I just want to, you know, I want to get to the end with the this constellation yeah. and the thing and the, you know, blah, you know, like that's, you know, this is all whatever. Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's hard. It's it's a hard, um, and that's why I'm saying like, it's really nice to have feedback that is less about, oh, but I wanted, the, there's not enough juicy stuff for me, so it's a shitty film, to, yeah. um, hey, like, I love this transition, which in a nerdy way is like, okay, well, they really like know about filmmaking. <laughs> Well, congratulations on this film. I wish you the ultimate best with it. And uh, let's talk again when you make your next film. Awesome. All right. Thank you for having me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hassenbeck Incorporated.